Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, everybody, welcome into a Friday edition of Sports Daily, TGIF. Jake Ballbrock, Tommy Caster here, Chad Chambers producing for us, man in that KFH hotline, in which we'll uh, have a little giveaway later in the show, we'll give away some HTOT and coffee. We'll be joined on that hotline by Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the K-State Wildcats, a little bit later, and taking your calls there. Happy to be with you. Uh, sorry about the deep freeze again. At least it's a short one this time. I saw next weekend will be in the 50s is what it looks like. I love so, that. That sounds yeah. great. Break out the bikinis and let's go swimming uh, after what we've been dealing with the last, I don't know, 15, 20 days or so. Glad to be here with you. Of course, it's ahead of the big divisional round weekend in the NFL. We'll have plenty to talk about with the Chiefs. We've got a Shockers game from last night to get through as well. And then looking ahead to a big 12 basketball weekend uh, that's always very appetizing. Tommy, how are you this morning? Man, I'm good. I'm ready for the weekend. It's been a long week, busy week, a lot going on. Uh, ready to, to sort of just, you know, chill, watch some college basketball, watch some playoff football. We're, my wife and I are talking about taking our boys to Dave and Buster's this weekend, uh, which is always uh, just a chaotic time. But yeah. it's always a lot of fun. It's fun. There'll be games on. They can play ga- You know, they can play their own games. I can watch football. So it should be good. Uh, we'll let everybody know that Dave and Buster's is not a client here at the show, nor is Chuck E. Cheese. So this is a discussion that's based <laughs> solely from the heart uh, for now. Uh, for Tommy, now I so I'm I'm team Chuck E. Cheese for sure. Okay. Uh, I like Dave and Buster's. I think it's a great place. My kids are in that fringe age, though, where I'm not sure they can fully enjoy Dave and Buster's appropriately. They're not quite old enough. And so they want to just yeah. play everything they can as fast as they can. Yeah, where that's, that's the way my kids are too. Like my, my yep. toddler, he doesn't know what's going on. So I, I, and I have to take them by myself because there's apparently this perception that it's not as cool. I, I like to take them to like Chuck E. Cheese and some of the other places. Uh, there's a lot of good options for that kind of stuff around town, and it's a you know it's it's a it's it's all fun. I love taking kids to the video game places. I love playing video so, games with my kids. 
let me tell you why I settled on Dave and Buster's for tomorrow. It's because it actually has a little bit to do with you. Uh, and another friend of ours, we've been talking about like texting, at least I, I have been about wanting to go to the casino to watch football yeah, and I, yeah. right? Like that's, and you can't do it. You, you, you're too busy. You've got other things going on and I can't, you know, just leave my kids. If I've got no, I can't go to the casino by myself. Right. Right. So the next best thing is Dave and Buster's. And so video it's kind games. of like a casino. It's video yeah. games. It's arcade, that sort of thing. So it's not quite going to the casino to watch football, but it's close enough. Yeah, uh, it is. There's a local. Have you been to the arcade downtown? It's got more like not, retro no. games back from our day. They they just went into a new facility. I, I took my kid to a birthday party there. Also a fun option. And they do have a bar. Okay. Uh, like oh, all nice. these places we're talking about. But yeah, there, there are a lot of good options. The casino thing. I want to get out there too. Uh, these last two weeks have been absurdly busy. I don't know why. I, I don't know if like... Right after the first of the year, everything piles in. Of course, it's all the the wrong kinds of busy too, with like end of year taxes and financials, bleh, like all that stuff comes in right now too. Uh, but I, I think for the casino, what we need to do is just go out for like a a Big Twelve basketball weekend, right? When the dust settles and things yeah. chill a little bit, like it doesn't have to be NFL playoff weekend or it doesn't have to be March Madness. What about I would just do like that. that'd be fun. What about just like a Big Twelve basketball Saturday? You know, like they, they, where they, where you know there are going to be good college basketball games uh, all day long. But we w- we will make that happen at some point. Um, I love casinos as much as anything in the world. I, I'm <laughs> at them far less than in my younger days, which is a great thing. I was a little concerned about that when I moved to a state that had them, especially one twenty or thirty minutes away, and especially when you can play craps at that casino. But I'm not, I've I've been out there maybe two three times. Like it has not been what I what I thought it might be, and that's good for everyone because I do yeah, enjoy good, my time. Good there. for your yeah. yeah, good for your pocketbook. Yeah, I, I am uh, as you might imagine by listening to this show and how much we love the betting aspect of things. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be a big weekend, and it'll be fun no matter where you're watching these football games. We're gonna pick those football games with Paul Savage coming up in our second hour as well. Um, Tommy, let's talk a little bit just right right here off the top about the Shockers last night. I, I The more I thought about it, you know, like it, it became a 16-point line at the time of the game tipping off. And we talked a little bit yesterday about the fact that Florida Atlantic had not beaten anybody by more than 15 points in seven games. They have been very Jekyll and Hyde this year. They have some really good wins like Arizona, which we would expect and did expect. And they have some head scratching losses too. They've been an interesting team, but I I sort of went into it and was like, well, Wichita state needs to be able to play within that number because everybody they're playing is playing with that in that number. I, I don't know what to make of all of this in totality, but they were in that game, led that game at two different points I don't know if I'm more annoyed they can't hold a lead. I don't know if I'm more pleased that they had a lead. I don't know what to think. Uh, but but they did cover the number, at least. And now they're through that stretch of basketball games where, you know, you if you re, if we really go back and look at this this run of what what how many games has that been now? Seven of eight six. they've lost? Yeah, seven, One, two, yeah. three, lost four, six five, six. Seven, eight of nine that they've lost. So it really started with the Missouri game. I think when we look at the schedule and say, here's where this difficult stretch starts. It's Missouri, those games, they've won one of them. And it was against Southern Illinois. If we look at it, 
we would have expected them going in to beat South Dakota State at home, right? That one was the first one where you're like, uh, what? So we would have expected that win, and I think we would have expected a Temple win. Everything else, right? Missouri, K-State, KU, North Texas, Memphis, Florida Atlantic. I think we wouldn't have expected a win. You'd like for them to have won a couple of those, but they didn't. And they are, I think, what they are. And so I, I don't know. Now that that's in the rearview mirror and you come up on South Florida, who, by the way, beat Memphis last night, East Carolina, SMU, Tulsa, before you quickly get to Memphis and Florida Atlantic again, we're looking at a stretch of four games here where perhaps we're going to get a much more realistic look at what the Shockers' ceiling is, I hope, because South Florida just beat Memphis. SMU's been high in the Kim Palm all year. You turn around and Memphis and Florida Atlantic both come in your next, like, six games, I think, again. I, I just... They don't get any good scheduling relief until like February, the last like seven games of the year. And I'm just, I fear this thing continuing to snowball on them. And we look at some point in the conference standings and there will be Wichita State sitting at like, I don't know, two and eight. And and you can, you'll never be able to overcome that. And a lot of that does have to do with the order of the games in which they play. But it is what it is. And so I, I don't know what to think when I watch games like last night. I mean, I'm encouraged at a large part of the games of the way that they're playing and that they had those leads. And, you know, Quincy Ballard was really good last night and all those things, but they're still not winning the games. And ultimately, you need to win some of the games. I think the difference maker last night is just the experience that Florida Atlantic has as a team. I mean, so many different returners and, and a coach that – led the team to the final four last season and the shockers. I mean, it was kind of like a heavyweight bout. The shockers got up early. And then every time that Florida Atlantic made a little bit of a run, Wichita state was right back there to punch back. And that went on for a while. You know, shockers had an 11 point lead at one point you and I were texting back and forth. And I think the words you used were, this is the best the shockers have played all season by far. And, and that was the truth, and I agreed with you. And then here comes Florida Atlantic, and it was very quick. And all of a and sudden— And then they got you, another 11-point yep, lead, though. Yep. You, you, you blink, and then all of a sudden Florida Atlantic's right back in it, and then here come the Shockers again. So it was body blow after body blow after body blow. But I think the experience of Florida Atlantic won out, ultimately, um, because the one thing I noticed about the Owls is that they never wavered. I, I never watched them on the bench or on the court— never saw their coach, never saw any kind of panic that came over them. It was kind of like, let's just absorb what's happening. Let's make sure that we are able to get ourselves in a position to get back in the game. And they did that not just once, but multiple times last night. And, and I think that ultimately won out for Florida Atlantic. The big picture for Wichita State, I get it that everybody is going to look at the really, really obvious. And that obvious is the first six-game losing streak in 15 years for Wichita State. I get it. I understand that. And I'm not going to be an apologist here and say that that's acceptable because it's absolutely not. But context is important. And when you look at the context of how this is all played out with the schedule, now, I, I think that the schedule fell in a way where I don't think anybody expected 
a ton of success in that stretch, but certainly not 0-6. There were absolutely a couple of winnable games in that stretch that Wichita State just weren't able, they weren't able to get it done. And even against the top two teams in the conference, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, they held leads in both of those games, and then they gave those leads up. So I think you can look at it a glass half full, or you can look at it a glass half empty. I mean, I think that it's going to probably be split right down the middle where it's like, okay, well, are they making progress? They're hanging with the top teams in the conference for a while. So that's a good thing. But then you look at the negative and obviously they're not getting the wins that they want. Uh, and so it's certainly something that I know is being addressed will continue to be addressed because this sort of thing, we're just not accustomed to a shocker basketball. It's been a long time since we've been in this particular stretch. My glass half full is emptying quickly. And that's uh, like, I, I want to be encouraged that they had two different 11 point leads over Florida Atlantic on the road last night, but you have to win that game, right? If you've got an yeah. 11 point lead halfway through the game, you've got to be able to win that game. Memphis was different, right? Memphis felt like you could see it coming. Florida Atlantic though, you can say what you want about how good and experienced they are. Florida Atlantic this year has lost games to Bryant, Florida Gulf Coast, and Charlotte, right? I, I and and Illinois, which that one uh, you can throw that one out because Illinois is really good. But Bryant, Florida Gulf Coast are both well under Wichita State in the Ken Palm. Charlotte's not. Yeah. Charlotte's been a nice little story, but it's not like Florida Atlantic isn't capable of losing these games. We've seen we've seen them do it three times this year, and 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 look. One of those came at home. Wichita State needs to be able to win games there up by 11 in the second. It's great that they got the 11-point lead. Finish the game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. I'm more encouraged than if they had gone to Boca Raton and been totally outmatched and outclassed. Don't get me wrong. But I also feel like you, you got to point out the fact that that's a game you should have won when you're up 11. Later in, later in the game. Like, you got to be able to win those games. I don't care who you're playing. So, it, it's kind of the same thing. We're through the so stretch, I mean, I, I, and I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. I think where a big question comes in is the state of the program overall from a third-foot view and the belief in Coach Mills and the belief in the way the program is being built. And you and I have had tons of conversations on this program about expectations in year one. And of course, long-term expectations as well. I don't know how that wavers. I don't know how that changes in a six game losing streak when you're zero and five in, in conference play. I, I don't know how that, I, I don't know how that changes or if that changes at all. One of my, if not my greatest flaw is my impatience. I'm aware of it. I am an impatient person in for good, for worse, whatever. So I'm I'm trying to not let that not give me a sound look at this because I am impatient. I don't think that it should take long in today's version of college basketball to do what you need to do when you're at a program that has the things that Wichita State has. I I don't think there should ever be years where they finish in eighth place in the American Athletic Conference, right? There should never be years where 
they finish worse than fifth place. That That's my expectation for the program, and I'm admittedly a very impatient person. So to continue to be told to just have patience while this team gets where it needs to be is a really difficult thing for me to do. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if that's reality. It's my own reality. And so I, I, I get frustrated when I see that they have an 11-point lead on the road like that, and they can't close that out to get what would certainly be their biggest win of the year. There's no question. And could be a momentum-shifting, like, linchpin of their season. Now, it's just another game you lost in a row. You know what I mean? And so I, I'm trying and have been trying to say, get through the Florida Atlantic game, and then let's see what happens in those next four. But the only thing that in those next four is going to make me say, all right, here we go, is for them to win all four of them, right? Like you got to do like something like that where it's like, okay, here we go. We got it. I am encouraged that we see them. And I think exactly what I texted you last night. Yeah. Is this is the best they've looked collectively. Like they look good offensively against Memphis, but they look terrible defensively against Memphis. The early part of that game and the two runs they made, they looked engaged and locked in and like what they were doing in those moments because it wasn't just like hitting a bunch of lucky shots or anything like that. Like they were legitimately, they had Florida Atlantic on the ropes. That does give me encouragement. If you can find that and sustain it, I think this team will be much better, but they haven't been able to do that now. And and like, look, we are, how many games into this season now? We, we're in, as we look at the year, 17, we're 17 games into this season, right? Mm-hmm. Many of these players are returners. So it's not good enough right now. Everybody knows that. I just need to know how much better it's going to get this year. And I can't take more than one year of this. Yeah, here's the caveat for me. The only asterisk I'll put on this for me personally, I'm not going to speak for you in this, but I was very clear on this program when Isaac Brown was let go and when Paul Mills came in that, and you and I were on the same page about this, that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And so the expectations are going to be high in year number one to get to where the Shockers need to go. There's not the time for a rebuild with this program, you've got to be able to win right away with the returners that were coming back and then being able to utilize transfer players and things like that to make at least this team competitive in year number one over Paul Mills, uh, under Paul Mills. Now, the only caveat I will make on that, the only amendment that I will make on that statement that I made back in when was that March, April, when we had those conversations, is that I've gotten to hear Paul Mills speak multiple times during the course of this season and I like what he has to say. And I think that he is yep, motivated to make the changes. And I think that he is thoughtful. And I think that he's working on changing things and, and open to you know making adjustments and doing all of that. So I do appreciate that about him. Where we didn't, I don't feel like we always got that with Isaac Brown. It was always like, we're going to just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, you know? Isaac and Brown was, was not comfortable with the media, number one. Like, he, yeah, he wasn't right. going to give anything ever, 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 ever. Yeah. I know that about him. Yeah. He was not comfortable. But in I those do spots. appreciate that about Paul Mills, that he's willing sure. to be upfront and say, this is not acceptable. Here's what we're going to change. Here's what we're going to do. Everything is on the table. Let's make this better. So I, that's my one caveat. It doesn't the expectations that I have, but it, I, I do appreciate the, the, the personality that he is. And I think that he is going to be the guy to turn that around. I, I hope he is. Got to win games. 
because I'll tell you right now, and this is what's always worried me, I know I know great Shocker fans right now that aren't even engaged enough to know they're playing a game on whatever night. Yeah. That's reality, and that's the yeah. danger. That is the long-term danger and why it needed to be quick if you're making the change because that was already setting in for two years. You can't pile on top of that now. Yeah, you got to stem the tide and turn things around immediately. 869-1240, KFH Hotline. Joining us on that hotline when we return, the voice of the K-State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Boy, things are going swimmingly in Manhattan. We'll talk about it next. Your new radio home for K-State Athletics, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. It's that time, Sports Daily, getting all the inside information on Kansas State. Let's go now to the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. All right, and we welcome back in Wyatt Thompson for another visit with us here on Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you, Jad Chambers producing. Wyatt, happy uh, Friday to you. Sorry we're in another cold stretch here, but it is Friday. Getting ready for a weekend where you get to stay at home, right? You get to hang this weekend and welcome in Oklahoma State tomorrow. I bet so. Yeah, yeah. it's got we've got a lot going, bud, and good to be on with you guys again. We've got. a lot of former K-State men's basketball players, Golden Cats, that will be here tomorrow. Uh, I think they're going to recognize the football team at some point tomorrow uh, as Pop-Tarts Bowl champions and, uh, you know, played so well the other night against Baylor. People are excited right now. And uh, Saturday home games uh, in this league are a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. I know Oklahoma State hasn't played as well as they've wanted to this year, but uh, they're certainly, like everybody in the league, pretty capable. So, Let's see how it plays out. Yeah, let's talk about that Baylor game, Wyatt. Um, I mean, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And obviously taking down a top 10 team in the Baylor Bears and the relationship between Scott Drew and Jerome Tang, that four-point play in overtime from Arthur Kaluma. And by the way, I have to mention, your call on that four-point play in overtime was incredible. So that was awesome uh, (laughs) to hear. And and that that entire uh, game, the stretch where they closed the gap to force overtime and then winning the game in overtime. What was that like for you on the call for that game? It was just thrilling, to be honest with you. You live for those types of games. And and to be honest, I've done a lot of games, but I don't know that I can remember one right off the top of my head where you almost felt like they were done twice. And you mentioned that. I mean, they're down 51-45 late in regulation. Probably a little bit fortunate in a way to get the thing to overtime. And then they're down in overtime with a minute to go um, and, and find a way and, and close the game on a 9 nothing run. It was – I've been here a long time. This is my 22nd year at K-State, and I've, I've seen Bramlage rocking and be very, very loud. But there were a couple of times the other night where I thought it was as loud as I've ever heard it, sincerely. And, we've, and you know we've had some good <laughs> tight tense games here, uh, whether it's Mizzou, Kansas, you know, uh, Texas, whatever it might be. That, that was pretty special the other night. You know, when we look at that rivalry, and I, I I, know how hard it is on both of those guys, Tang and Drew, to play in those games. Right. I think they have a good attitude about it, but, man, it, they are, we, we can you can almost just know, and we've only done it three times, but it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to imagine those two playing while they're both at those respective universities and not getting that kind of game. I think sometimes that just happens, and it feels like this is one of those spots. I'm I'm totally with you on that. Uh, you know, there's there's so many things that you think about when you think of those guys. I mean, 
Coach Tang spent 19 years there, and they do. They call each other brothers. They're very tight. They, they talk a lot. Uh, I think stylistically they're very similar in, in how they structure their teams. And I, I'm <laughs> the, the one thing that I will say about Scott Drew that, I'm, that it Im- impresses me a lot is that when he started to build a thing in the early days when they started winning, they played pretty much just zone deep. And they played it well, don't misunderstand. But as they got better and better and better players, they went from, you know, just setting in a zone and shooting a lot of threes to just being really gifted. And the other night, to you look at their numbers, and for K-State to hold them to just under 33% field goal shooting is nuts. Um I'm so impressed with what Coach Tang has done with this team defensively, and I know he's working to make them better offensively. That, and I think they are, it's it's slower, of course, but I, I think um, you know we, we've got some good basketball ahead of us. Tough stretches too. I mean, next week we're Wednesday night in Ames, and next Saturday in Houston doesn't get a whole lot tougher than that. But um, he he's done a great job, and I, I know it is hard for him, honestly. And yet, there's part of me that thinks they kind of like it too. Do you think that makes sense? I mean, did you see? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if you saw the video of them coming out of the tunnel, but whatever yep. they were giggling about, yep, they yep, were having yep. a, a real chuckle over it. That was that was special in my mind. Wyatt, that was the fourth overtime game that the Wildcats have played this season, and they're four and zero in those overtime games, including that three game stretch in the non conference. As we get more deep into Big Twelve play, and then into tournament play in March. How important do you think having that experience of playing in tight games, going into overtime and winning those games are for this team? Well, that's a good question. I, I think the easy answer is, is that it has to help, right? I mean, it is hard. And, and one thing that has stuck out for me is that, you know, in the time that Coach Tang has been here, we've won a ton of close games. We haven't won them all, but we've won a bunch of close games. There, he's now 10 and over in overtime in, in less than two full seasons. That's crazy. I don't even know how you try to go about explaining how good that is. But I, I, I think what sticks out for me is they did this coming off of the heels where they, by their own admission, let one get away, kind of gave one away at Tech last Saturday. And I mean, it bothered them. They, they were mad that they were I guess I'll describe it as just out toughed down the stretch. Um, and Tech was the better team and the tougher team and the team that executed better. And I think they took it personally. They they really were cut in, in in learning the scout and really did a great job against a very explosive offensive team. It was It was impressive. There's no doubt about it. How much, if you're looking at this and trying to do it objectively, Wyatt, I mean, I, I you yeah. know, very early it was like, oh, this is nice. K-State's out to a good start in the league. Now it seems more sustainable. Um, it seems like in what we know will be a back-and-forth year, K-State yeah. probably is one of the teams that will be competing near the top of the league this year. I think we it's almost like we've had to, in a positive way, had to refocus expectations, I think, for the conference schedule. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I, I think when you talk about this, you have to you have to look at the league in its entirety. I've done a lot of interviews this week, and and I've talked about this quite a bit. I think when this uh, conference season started, I don't know if anybody thought that two weeks in everybody would have at least one loss. 
Do you agree with that? I mean, it just seems like that's a little bit of an oddity when you have so many good teams in this league, whether it's Baylor, Kansas, you know, whoever it might be. Um, And I, I, sometimes you, excuse me, you have a hard time making sense of UCF as an example. I've used this, this example of UCF and Cincinnati here the last few days, UCF gets blasted here. 77 52. Then they host Kansas and beat them. Then they host BYU and they get beat. So you, my point is on that is that I, I don't know that you can go into any game in the league or most games in the league and really kind of have a feel for, well, this is what's going to happen. It, it's staggering really how many games have been decided by less than 10 or a couple of possessions. And I think we're going to continue to see that. I, I just do. I, I, I think this league is really, really strong up and down the line. Um, you have to kind of think that even though KU lost um, a game already, you probably still have to think, you know, with their with their skill set, they're they're going to be there towards the end. But I, I mean, they were thirteen and five in this league last year. What do you think they're going to be this time? Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. It's, it's going to know that it's, they're going to be yeah. better or worse than that. Yeah. It's a battle of attrition, and that's the way the Big 12 always is. It's it's always a, really? a bloodbath, and we're only a, a few games into the conference. I, I know that – I feel like I'm, I always bring up every week uh, Tyler Perry. And, it you know, the game against Baylor, <laughs> another not great shooting night for Tyler. But right. he did get to the free throw line, and he made his free throws. So after the game against Baylor, how do you assess his play? Uh, do you think that the – opportunities for him to at least get to the foul line will maybe help loosen him up a little bit shooting from the field or where do you stand on where Tyler's game is right now? Well, I enjoy talking about this uh, to be honest with you, because he, the the longer I'm around him and, and, and start to get to have a better feel for who he is, what he is, he's a pretty unique individual. And, and I'm not, I'm not talking so much, the physical part that he brings to the table, but more the mental. He's really cut in now and wants to be, you know, the the leader of the team and the vocal guy. And he wasn't necessarily that in the beginning. And he knows he's struggling a little bit shooting the ball. But as as I think we mentioned last week, he's had to take a lot of hard shots. And I I think as this team continues to move forward and, and try to get better offensively, they're trying a lot of different things. And I don't know if, you know, exactly what the answers are. And I don't know that the coaches know, but one thing that should help, I'll say that again, should help is that they're starting to get a little bit more out of some of the other guys, which I think will help Tyler. I don't know if you would agree with that thought or not, but as an example, um, did anybody think that four games into the league race, that Dorian Finister would be averaging 5.3 points a game and playing those kind of minutes? or Jarrell Colbert yeah. would come in against that kind of talent and give you 17, 18 really quality minutes. He wasn't, he wasn't dominant, but guys, he was playing against two studs and really held his own and did well. And they need his athleticism. You know, Will McNair is a, a nice player, and I think he's continuing to get better too. But against Baylor, uh, and there are going to be others, they need Jarrell's athleticism because he's a little bit more athletic than Will. Uh, so there are a lot of things on the table that I think you you should look at 
in, in, in relation to Tyler having better looks um, and, and maybe getting that percentage up and, and maybe being a little bit more of a consistent scorer other than just at the foul line. Because, hey, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice, nice thing when he's fouled late because you know he's going to make most. Yeah. I, I his they're just going to keep going and and just mm-hmm. don't change it. They're winning games. I I think if they were losing games we'd have a totally different conversation, but I I like it. So you look yeah. at a stretch here. Yeah. Next the next time we'll talk, they will have played Oklahoma State and at Iowa State, which always feels like a fool's errand, but those are two if if you're going to talk about K-State potentially, you know, winning this league and you know, doing all of those things, these are two games you need to be able to go get, right? Even that tough one in Ames, but there won't be many gettable stretches on the schedule. This might be one of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and it is hard at Hilton. Um, but K-State has won up there before. Um, you, you just you can't take it for granted because, if I'm being honest, Iowa State's come to Bramlage and won too. You know, that's just yeah. kind of the league. But I understand what you're saying. If you could get that, you know, I almost look at, again, I, I, Coach Tang would probably hit me in the nose if he heard me say this, but if you could split next week's games and beat Oklahoma State Saturday, you'd probably feel pretty good about where you're at, don't you think? I mean, that's, and that's, you start to do, do the math here. This league race is long and grueling and tough and all of that. But in the same breath, it goes pretty quick. <laughs> and there are only so many opportunities with 18 games. You got to you got to go out there and get that one that you think you can get. And that's why I think they were so frustrated uh, w- with the game at Tech because for a lot of the game, I'm going to say for 28, 30 minutes, they probably were the better team. And that hurts when you when you when you're that close and don't do it on the road because they're so hard to come by. Wyatt, what do you make of Wyatt, the Oklahoma State of- program? Obviously, they're you know struggling right now. They're they're not in a great place. I wonder, you know, do you think that Mike Boynton, his job potentially is in trouble? Where do you stand on where things are with Oklahoma State? Well, I haven't really heard any rumblings of that yet. It may be a little bit different when they get into town today. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think Mike's a good coach, but I I think he's fighting uphill in a league right now. With, with four freshmen on the roster and two of those guys starting, and that's a hard way to make a living. Even though those kids are, one, their center uh, is a McDonald's All-American, and their four-man is a four-star kid. That's, that's high-level talent. But, you know, I mean, that, that kid Garrison was going up against a guy by the name of Hunter Dickinson the other night. You're yeah. going to get whooped in those kind of situations. That's just the way it is. Um, I've watched a lot of tape on OSU and there are times when they look pretty good, but you know, we, we've talked about K state offensively from time to time where one thing too, I didn't mention that that reminds me of this with OSU like K state, they've had some troubles with turnovers. You, you can't go on the road or even sometimes at home and, and do that. Um, And that's, that's kind of what's gotten them into trouble. I, I watched, I think like three straight possessions against Kansas where they're really I'm not saying KU doesn't defend. I don't mean it that way, but th- there was very little, you know, defensive resistance and they turned the ball over. It's like unforced errors in tennis, right? You can't do that and, and, and compete. And they didn't compete. 
but I'm going to guess that they'll think they can here, at least initially. So you got to take the fight out of them early. But they are young. They're, you know, they're just not quite as good as, as most everybody else in the league. That's just kind of what it is. Yeah, and you mentioned it's going to be a big night of celebration there, so I know fans will be excited about that, probably driving up certainly here from Wichita. You will hear the game with us right here on KFH, Wyatt's Call. Coverage begins at 5 o'clock for the 6 o'clock tip. Wyatt, enjoy the time at home this weekend, and we'll just keep slogging through what's going to be an incredible Big 12 this year. I know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Try to let it warm up a little bit, will you? Uh, yeah, I'll get with our meteorologist there at K-Witch yeah, and see what go. I can do. I've, I've been on them for a while. It's not working yet, but we'll Haven't we'll we keep, all, right? We'll yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Four guys, don't shoot the messenger, right? Thanks, Wyatt. We'll talk exactly. to you soon. All right, there goes Wyatt Thompson, voice of the K-State Wildcats. If you missed any of that, by the way, you can go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app. We podcast that out for you, make it easy on you. Speaking of that Odyssey app, you know what else you can find? Chiefs games. They're available live for free on KNSS, as it will be this weekend. You can tune in to KNSS Sunday night for the wild card action. If you're not around your radio, uh, the Chiefs in Buffalo, a battle against the Bills. You can also just download the Odyssey app and search KNSS at kickoff. Tommy and I will be back. We'll get into that playoff game and others. Paul Savage in, top of the hour to make picks. Lots to get to here on a Friday edition of Sports Daily. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on a Friday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor alongside you. Let's give away some HGO here out of the gates. Mix it up a little bit for you. How about a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee drink uh, coming your way from HTO? You can do that. The tea is available at Wichita's West East location or in Derby. The coffee is good in Derby or East Wichita. Good luck uh, to the KFH hotline right now. First caller, 869-1240. Tommy, on that, did you see uh, Rip? We're teaming up with Rip. Are you a Yellowstone guy? Uh, yeah, we watch Yellowstone. Uh, Rip yeah. is one of the most terrifying characters that I've I've ever seen on TV. One of the most amazing characters. He is like yeah. a character on television that universally every single person that watches the show has a crush on. Man crush, girl crush, whatever it is. Like, we all think Rip is totally awesome. Yeah, he's I would he's never want to be on his bad side. No, no. Uh, he's got a coffee thing. He's got like a whole coffee oh, company, okay. and we're going to start selling it in our store here pretty soon. I'll have more details on that. I don't have a date for you, but that the news is out there. It's not like I'm revealing some secret here, uh, but that's been pretty cool. Right now, it's our brew house coffee, which is also very, very good, so you can get that. Good luck to everybody in the winner. Jad will get us uh, on the giveaway. Jad will get us a winner. Uh, real quick, Tommy KU basketball, I don't know if we'll have time to get into them specifically. You know, we talked about a gettable stretch there with Wyatt for K-State. West Virginia, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Oklahoma State in the next four, that's gettable and should be gettable, and it's a stretch for a team that has national championship aspirations. I want them 4-0. Yeah, I get that, and I would like to see that too. Morgantown is a very difficult place to play. Not I don't this care. year, it's not. I, well, I think it is. I mean, it doesn't matter how down the team is. They're tough. You know, and the fans are tough, and that's a tough environment to play in. Uh, I mean, look at – did you watch the K-State game against West Virginia and Morgantown? I mean, I know the Wildcats K-State won the game. K-State beat them by 14. 
Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was close down the stretch. They and beat they Texas. I'll away. give you Texas. They beat Texas. Morgantown, Morgantown. is a difficult place to play, and it doesn't matter what the record is for the Mountaineers. It's always and K, and KU has always had a difficult time going into Morgantown. Now the okay. difference is Bob Huggins is not there, right? That's the difference from previous years to now. But still, like I, I, I it's going to be. I'll difficult. give you Oklahoma State because of the demons in that building. Okay, but West Virginia has losses to Virginia, St. John's, Pittsburgh uh, in Morgantown. They lost. They almost lost to Bellarmine this year in Morgantown. This isn't our father's West Virginia. This isn't our West Virginia from a year ago. I don't want any excuses. Kansas needs to go to Morgantown and win that game and win it, you know, in a in a relatively comfortable fashion. And they need to go four zero in this next stretch. This is a team we expect. To contend for a national championship, they need to go 4-0 and in these games against these teams. Cincinnati might be the outlier. Cincinnati's been good this year. But West Iowa Virginia— has been good this year, too. You've got, yep, you've got roadies against West Virginia and Iowa State mixed in there, and I think they need to go 4-0. That's because that's where they'll need to be if they're like, you know, they need to be that kind of team by the end of the year. If they, it's not like it's, you know, it's not going to be tragic if they don't, but that's the level of team they're going to need to be if they want to win a national championship. Why not start now? They, they had a really nice Oklahoma State performance. They're not very good. West Virginia is better than that. Iowa State certainly better than that. KU should beat anybody anywhere. The best part about the Oklahoma State game earlier this week was the Jayhawks finally flexed a little bit, you know, yes. and they finally put their foot on somebody's throat. And that's the kind of performance and outcome that you come to expect from a team that I, I get it, that they've got national championship aspirations. Morgantown, though, is a difficult place to play. I'm expecting a win, but I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a blowout like it was for Oklahoma State. Um, I hope it is. I think it might maybe should be. I'm not I won't say it needs to be in Iowa State, but the way West Virginia's played this year kind of needs to be in Morgantown. K-State beat them by 14 in Morgantown. There's your benchmark, KU fans and KU. Go get that. That's what we need to see hey, out of the Jayhawks. K-State also beat UCF by 25 and then UCF beat Kansas. So, you know, it's know. the Big 12. Who knows what's going to happen? That's right. I love the Big 12. God, it's so good. All right. We'll welcome in our buddy Paul Savage next segment. Congratulations to Daniel for winning some HTO Brewhouse coffee and some HTO, of course, iced tea. We'll come back. We're making some football picks. Playoff edition, our last picks of the year. We'll go over the standings and make the picks when we return. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two, and that means on a Friday, we welcome in Paul Savage for a round of picks. Again, our final week of picks for the season, we have picked close to 200 games this year. We've done a pretty good job. Uh, Paul and I are making money, a little bit of money. Tommy's slightly under 500. So here's the situation. I'm at 95, 84, and 7. 11 games over 500. Paul is at 92, 87, and 7. 
uh, five games over 500. Tommy is 89, 90, and 7. We've had the seven pushes throughout the year, which we keep in play because we're using actual lines and we know that we can actually bet. There have been years on the program where we rounded those lines uh, to the half point. We're not doing that this year because we want to give actual perspective on games that people can bet. But so we have four games to pick, and I am up on Paul. Now, if, if I get them all wrong and he gets them all right, he can pass me. Tommy, you're playing for second place here. You're yeah. the same margin behind Paul. You cannot catch me. So what we're going to do today to keep this interesting and not just have me coast in, of which I would never do, I support the shot clock in high school basketball, if you know what I mean. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. I, I, will, I will pick first each time. All right. Paul will pick second each time. Tommy will pick third each time. That will allow Tommy, if he chooses, to go against Paul every time to try and close the gap. That will allow Paul, if he chooses, to go against me every time to close the gap. It's basically a bet on me to go 0-4 if Paul wants to try to win this. We'll see how he handles it. Uh, but keep that in mind as you're listening to everybody pay, make picks today. Keep that aspect of this contest right. in mind. Right. I need you to pull a Tommy. That's what I need. I need a Tommy yeah. out of you. Tommy, of course, I'm referring <laughs> you, to. I'm referring to your Owen. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I really Tommy this to. week. I kind of like that. Uh, uh, no. We we created a a a, a ver uh, yeah a verb here out of Tommy's Owen ten week from earlier in the year. You really Tommy the week. I kind of like that. <laughs> that. We might have yeah, to yeah, you're see if that's got some see if that's got some staying power. Yeah, that's we'll, a pro- we'll, that's a that, promo Mr. right Savage. there. That's a promo yeah. right there. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're just now coming up with this on our last week of making picks. <laughs> well, there's still next week because <laughs> that would have been yeah. really, really annoying if that had happened yeah. all season long. Yeah, there's still rest right. Of the so year. this is it. This is this is the last week of the picks, Paul. So you've got some decisions yeah. to make here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into the games. We'll take them in chronological order. We'll take the lines right now as listed on CBSSports.com. Uh, we start with the Texans and the Ravens. Boy, oh boy. Am I excited about this game? Am I excited about the opportunity for the upstart Texans? Am I excited to see what D'Amico Ryans, one of the great defensive players and minds in football, uh, has in store and in mind to try to close the gap on the team that has been the most dominant this year? Nine and a half points the Ravens are favored by at home. It feels like they haven't played a meaningful football game in a month. Their starters haven't played in a while. Fellas, I'm going to bet history here. Lamar Jackson has not proven to us that he can be great in this spot yet. It's been a minute, but he hasn't. And so nine and a half points for one of the hot, swaggy teams in football is too many points for me. I'm taking the Texans, and I'm going to take the nine and a half points here. I think they can keep it close, if not have a puncher's chance to win it. And I'm, I am I like the Texans. I've... I've this, this this thing for the Chiefs is playing out how I'd hoped. I'd hoped Houston could win or or, or Cleveland would have been okay to go to Baltimore, get that win, bring the AFC championship back to Arrowhead Stadium for the Chiefs, which means they would have to go on the road to be Buffalo. But I'm going to take the Texans. I'm going to take the nine and a half points. And I think they've got a slight chance to win that sucker outright. Paul? Well, 
you just have made my day because I was just sure you would take the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens have what? An MVP possibility uh, and most valuable player. It's a team that's rested up. It's a team that's focused. It's a team that's talented. I think we would all agree, Tommy, and I know you'd agree with this too, that the Ravens are a very physical football team on both sides of the football. And I mean, you don't get to where they are right now, number one seed, without being physical in the NFL. Man, oh man, Jacob, this was the one that I thought I was going to have to go out on a limb and take the Texans because I think that nine and a half is not enough points. I'm taking the Ravens. The the Cinderella factor for the Texans is probably running out this week. I'm taking the Ravens, and I would take the Ravens whether you were taking the Texans or not. Interesting. They played in the regular season opener, Tommy. It's silly to even look at oh that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But what, what I think you can look at is Lamar Jackson was not good in that game. Right? C.J. Stroud was his first game as a pro. That's right. But it wasn't Lamar Jackson's first game as a pro, and he was not very good well, in that game. He's gotten pretty good I, since then. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, this is the most difficult game of the weekend for me to pick, and it's really because I love both of these teams, and I've been high on both of these teams all season long. Jacob, you know I've been a Ravens fan or apologist this entire season, a supporter of theirs. You know, even when you really weren't, I was saying Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore in the AFC. On the flip side, man, it's been so much fun to watch the way the Texans have grown and evolved and built their program this entire season with C.J. Stroud. I love what Nico Collins brings to the table. Nobody gives Devin Singletary enough credit. D'Amico Ryans is a rookie head coach. They've got everything in place to have an upset against the Ravens. As much as I love the Ravens, and I think that Lamar Jackson is playing great, and you know, it, and, and I think the Ravens are overall, collectively, the best team in the playoffs right now. You know, the, the Texans are playing with house money. So am I. I'm going to take Houston. I'll take the nine and a half. All right. So in the standings, that allows what need. So basically what's going to have to happen, and I don't know if Tommy's pride will let him do this. He's basically going to have to pick everything that I pick if Paul chooses to go away from me. But I don't suspect that either one of you are going to pick based on that. I think you're going to pick based on what you think is going to happen. All right. Let's go into uh, the next one here. Packers Niners. I, this one to me, is the hardest for me to decide which side to go to. It's also nine and a half points. Uh, it's very, you got a very similar situation, right? First year quarterback, uh, upstart team, a lot of good young players against the team perceived to be the best in the league, in its conference, I should say. I, I do... I, I'm going to go the other way on this one. I, I like the Packers. What they did was impressive. I don't think that Kyle Shanahan will be outcoached the way that Mike McCarthy was. I I don't, you know, it, it it's going to lean into me. It'll be a big Christian McCaffrey game, and it'll be a, a big defense game for San Francisco. I think 50 and a half is too many points. If the Packers can do that again, and I think they deserve more credit than they've gotten to this year, they're on the right direction. But the Niners are healthy right now. They're rested. I'm going to take the Niners. I think they can cover the number, nine and a half points. Paul, what do you think? Did you not see how the I, Packers I, I controlled did. the line of scrimmage? I did. 
We talked about this when you weren't in the other day on Wednesday, I believe, when Tommy and I were doing the show. And we talked about just how well uh, the Packers ran inside zone cutback. In fact, inside zone, inside zone cutback. They blew off the line, the defensive line for Dallas. Now, I know everybody says, well, that's a D line meant to rush the passer. They're, They're not as big. 49ers will be a little more physical, I believe, up front on the run than 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 the uh, Cowboys were. But I'll tell you what, I was impressed with the way the Packers ran the football. They came off the line, they locked up their guy, and they drove. And I really was impressed with that. And because of that, whether you were taken, here's another game where we're actually on the opposite side again. I'm going to take the Packers, and this is not because. I think that that the Packers will win this game. I don't know if they will, but nine and a half points is a lot. And if you can control the football like the Packers intend to control the football and keep the football out of the hands of the 49ers, well, I guess this comes down to who runs the football the best, the 49ers or the Packers. And right now, guys, I'm fairly impressed with the Packers and their ability to run the football. I'm taking the Packers. I like the Packers. I can... I mean, for the same reasons, right, Tommy, that we like the Texans, yeah. kind of. One major difference, though, All right. between the Cowboys' defense and the 49ers' defense okay. is that the 49ers have a couple of guys by the name of Chase Young and Nick Bosa, and the Cowboys don't. Now, the Cowboys have Micah Parsons, and the, you know they've got some really talented defensive players, but the Niners' defense as an overall unit is playing significantly better than the Cowboys did a week ago and even down the stretch in the regular season. For that reason, I'm going to take the 49ers, and I'm going to lay the points. I, I think that the Packers are uh, they're fun to watch, and Jordan Love has came into his own. There's no doubt about that. It was incredible to watch the way they beat up on Dallas a week ago, that nobody really saw that coming. I just have a hard time thinking that they're going to be able to follow that up in back-to-back weeks. So I'll take the 49ers. I'm going to lay the 9.5. If I lay a three-team parlay, for instance, which I love to do, this will be the game I don't. I don't include. I'm having a hard time with this game. Um, and I, I, hopefully that means it's a great game to watch. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see the 49ers lose. I don't particularly like either of these teams. Uh, but I, I, you've got good stories all over the place. All right, Bucks-Lions. Uh, Buccaneers uh, go on the road. They're six-and-a-half-point dogs in Detroit. Uh, the weather notwithstanding, <laughs> if you guys saw that clip. Yes, I uh, did. Yeah, the weather Tommy will not be a factor. Uh, I hadn't seen it, yeah. but Tommy showed it to me on a break on our on, on Wednesday. A, that was that's a tough day funny. at the office. That was downright. That's a tough funny. day at the office. Yeah, it is. Uh, but it won't be a factor. They'll be okay in the AC there in Detroit. Um, I like Detroit here. I, I the Bucks have been fun to watch. The Bucks have been a great story. So have the Lions. I think the Lions right now are significantly better than what the Eagles have been. I think they've got, you know, as much buzz and energy and momentum and that place is going to be electric. And I think that they can establish themselves and sort of control things on the ground in a way that Philadelphia couldn't maybe take some air out of the ball for Baker Mayfield. I like the Lions. I'll lay the points six and a half. Paul, if you're going to win this oh, thing, you got to ride. You yeah. got to ride that big train into Detroit. You did that on purpose. I know you did. Yeah, because now I'm making you pick against uh, your man Dan Campbell. No, no, let me get this straight. <laughs> so if I go ahead and take the Lions, and we both get that right, you can't win I the can contest. Do, but I can tie. 
You, yep. Am you I played for ties? Where are you? Where are you? Is this soccer? Oh God! You, you know something that was uncalled for. That was totally uncalled for. Uh, gosh, you know, uh, you know, Tommy, what would you advise? Tom, uh, give me a little help, Tommy. What? Should I'm I not giving for... you anything. Oh come on! I'm not giving you anything. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to take second place from you. So I'm not going to give you any advice. Oh, so you want me to take the bucks, don't you? You want me to take the That's bucks? That's up to you. Because I don't it's think this is going to be as close a game as six and a half. I think this is. I think the Lions will have the ability to control the football and and and, and literally win by two touchdowns, maybe more. So I'm really t- so I mean I'm playing for the tie. Oh man! I, Come I'll on, t- playing for the tie. Okay. That's cowardly. All right, this is the it's one cute, time. Cowardly it's cute, ball. Sa- that's cute. The- that's cute, Savage. This, Play for the tie. This, 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 Jad, any advice, Jad, hop on real quick. What, what would you do? I'm just picturing Coach Savage in it- the locker room at halftime down 10. All right, fellas, <laughs> let's get out there and tie him up. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you tie, you get first place two years in a row. Oh. If you take second place, that championship is just gone. That's right. Still champion. Coach or you could win it outright. Or you can you win, can it, win outright. it outright. Yeah. They're trying to talk you into it. I'm, I'm maybe a little sense here. It's just up to you. Jad, I'm going to get canceled for all the cliches I want to use right now. <laughs> well, so I'll I have tell to be you what, really Jad. careful. Jad, you're but... a wise man. You know something, Jad? Thank you for that. I still don't know what to do. This is this is really embarrassing. <laughs> I'm I'm really torn, guys. I do you sense it? I am really really torn. I'll take the bucks. Golly. There we go. That a boy. Let's go. You guys shamed me into it. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Yeah, you're too old for peer pressure, but I'm I appreciate the sentiment there. All right, Tommy, that makes it easy for you. Yeah, I'm going to take the Lions. Yeah, thank uh, that's you. A, that's an easy pick for me. Now, I, I love the Buccaneers. I love what Baker yeah, Mayfield has done. I've been right. I've been on the Bucks for a while, and I'm not. I don't believe in the Lions overall, but I think that this is a, an easy game to pick. Yeah, Tom, I just Detroit think it's, it's just a good matchup. I, look, the Lions yeah. are not some dominant team that makes right. this blatantly obvious. They're not that. Right. I, I, and but they do have the ability on paper to control this game the way they want to. They've got Montgomery and Gibbs and one of the best offensive lines in football and a quarterback who is perfectly fine taking things in small chunks. They can just control the clock. Baker Mayfield's killing people through the air. Take that away from Baker Mayfield, right? And right. And, and you're going to be in much better position. Right. But the Lions are not some team impervious to losing outright to Tampa on the road. I mean, there's no there's, – Tampa could absolutely cover that number. They could absolutely win that game. So we're giving you a hard time. I don't think it's some absurd island you're on taking the Buccaneers the way they've been playing. They just dominated Philadelphia. They could beat the Lions. Yeah, but who isn't dominating Philadelphia at this point right now? By the way, Tommy, just let me ask you. What would you have done if you were me? Would you have have played for the tie or would you you do what I did and that's take the Bucs? Seriously, what would you have done? Uh, Let it ride, baby. You got to go for the win. Go for the win. Okay, well, I think I probably did. It is a no-brainer. I did the right thing. But I don't know that it's the right thing for the pick because I honestly think that the Lions win by a touchdown. I really do. I really think the Lions win by a yeah, touchdown. Yeah, we'll put a big or asterisk maybe. on that for our for our betting oh. friends. Oh, good. All three of us do like the Lions yes, we, and yeah, the yeah, number yeah. That there. Is, that is, so that the is. contest and the actual bets are a little bit different. Right. I will say this, though. 
most of the time when that happens, we're wrong, right? Most of the time, at least like anecdotally, when I'm talking to betting people and everybody's in consensus on something, right, right. you should run away as fast as you can, <laughs> right? And I don't know, I don't know where the you know where the betting money and the trends and all that and the sharp money, but it does feel a little like that with this one, where it's yes. like ever. I, I think. 85% of the public would look at that and say Lions, and that's usually really, really dangerous. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll keep an eye on that game. This next one gets interesting. So the Bills' the number has moved back to three, which means I think that more money is headed toward the Bills than the Chiefs. It had been down as low as two and a half. So it's now up to three. The Bills are favored at, at home, no surprise. The Bills won the regular season meeting. You know, I did this exercise yesterday at KWCH, and I went through each of the last six games, the six games that these two quarterbacks have played against each other, and just sort of compared the numbers. And I think before I did that, I assumed it would either be a dead heap tie or Mahomes would have been a little better in those games. Each of them have won three of them, by the way. The reality is, though, that's not the case. Allen has been on paper better than Mahomes in this series. He's thrown fewer interceptions. He has been a dynamic runner in this series. And so what's interesting about this is those are the things that the Chiefs can't let happen in this game, right? Mahomes can't throw interceptions. They cannot let Josh Allen be a dynamic runner. So history will have to go away from the trends we've seen. Now, it hasn't been that way every every game. These are the averages of the series between those two that I'm talking about. I do like the Chiefs. You guys know I like the Chiefs. I've been right. on this for two months, three months, however long it's been. That if they go to this way, they are good enough to win a Super Bowl. They are this way now, so I can't back off of that now, especially when I'm getting points, especially when Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. I think it's going to be another classic. I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be another epic game that will be down to the wire, as it always is lately. I love it, but I also love those points. I think the Chiefs win it outright, so I'm certainly going to take the three points. Um, they, it's it's right there in front of the Chiefs. They know exactly what they have to do, and I think they're capable here lately of doing what it is that they have to do. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take the points, Paul. Well, I like the way you phrased that because I could possibly take the Chiefs too, but let me just reevaluate this. I mean, Josh Allen is playing really good football. Uh, this is a game in Buffalo, so the Chiefs have to travel. And then you get, arrive where you're going, you leave, what, 10-degree weather, and you arrive at zero-degree weather. Weather, again, if I'm not mistaken, is to be a factor again uh, for this particular weekend in Buffalo. And with that being said, listen, Buffalo's a good football team, fellas. It's a good physical football team. And with a Josh Allen uh, and his receiving core, fellas, I have no problem whatsoever with taking the Buffalo Bills. I will lay the three points, and I'm taking the Bills. And that was an easy pick for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it is an easy pick. The Bills are favored at home. Like, they, I, I don't think... They're a good I football. think I'm yeah, probably right. I would say I'm in the minority by saying I think the Chiefs will win this game. That I will say with some confidence. Tommy, what do you think here? Let me give you some numbers here really quick about Patrick Mahomes. In the playoffs, he's 10 and 5 against the spread 
and 12-3 and straight up. That rate is tied with Terry Bradshaw for the second best of any quarterback in the Super Bowl era. On top of that, as an underdog, and we're talking about the regular season and the playoffs combined, in his career, Patrick Mahomes is 9-2-1 against the spread as an underdog, which he is in this game. This is only the, the second playoff game in Patrick Mahomes' career that he's been an underdog. The first one was the Super Bowl a year ago against the Eagles. We all know how that turned out. Kansas City won that game. This is the first true road game of Patrick Mahomes' playoff career. Knowing the way that he is against the spread as an underdog and in his career overall, give me three points. Give me the Chiefs as an underdog. I'm taking Kansas City on the road. I'll take the points. I'm going to bet them outright to win the game. I think it's going to be another classic, but I do think Kansas City covers. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I'm with you. I, we've, we've talked about it and talked, and we'll, we'll get into the game specifically here when we come back of like X's and O's, what we think keys are and need to happen and everything else. The picks did go the way that they needed to go to shake up the standings. That was the only way it could have happened. And honestly, I think we only had one outlier uh, to go against the brain, and that was Paul having to right. take the Buccaneers I did to have keep to it take in play. Him. Other than that, you know, I, I could make a case for either team on all the three other games. I could make a case for either one, really. I can make a case for the Bucks. I mean, it isn't well, that hard. This should be a great, yeah, should be a great playoff right. weekend. It, right. sh- it should be yeah. a good playoff weekend. Uh, what's wild about it is cons- like to consider the possibility that some combination – of Houston, Green Bay, or Tampa could be playing in conference championship games. That's we talked about all year that felt like there was a little bit more parity this year than in normal years. And the fact that as we've watched this season play out, those three teams could be in a conference championship game potentially. That's what we're talking about. The top to the bottom is not as different, I think, this year as it has been in some years. There is not that juggernaut. The two one seeds are certainly the closest thing to it, but I think they each have their flaws. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. When we return, we'll get into the nitty-gritty on Chiefs-Bills. Keys to the game. What needs to happen for a Chiefs win? If they get it done, we'll go over all of it as we make our way through this Friday edition of Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Back into Sports Daily here on this Friday. Chiefs games available over on KNSS on the Odyssey app. You can tune in Sunday night for NFL Divisional Round Action. The Chiefs and Bills battle uh, in Buffalo. Or you can simply download the Odyssey app and search for KNSS at kickoff. Let's talk about that game. The Chiefs, I mean, the perspective from the Chiefs, Tommy, to me is the same as it has been. Going back a few weeks, I do think the one key and the one X factor that they're going to face in this game that they haven't in others is Josh Allen, his ability to run the ball. They have historically, he's had good running performances against the Chiefs. So has Patrick Mahomes, by the way, which nobody talks about, but he has too. Uh, But you can't let him break off the long run like he did against Pittsburgh. You can contain him. You can spy him. You can do all those things. He's probably going to get his to some degree. But just like it was against the Dolphins and those dynamic runners, you can't let him have the big one, I think, in this one. And and if they can do that, I think they can handle the rest defensively naturally. 
I think that one other thing to keep in mind with what the Bills offense brings to the table is the way that they utilize their tight ends and the success that Josh Allen had finding Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid against the Steelers. And so you can, you know, put Legereus Sneed on Steph Diggs and you can do all of that with the receivers, but then you also have to keep in mind what those tight ends can do. And there's not just one of them, there's two of them. And then, oh, by the way, Josh Allen can also break off a run. So there are a lot of different options. That big Sean game McDermott's for the linebackers then, huh? Yeah, it's absolutely. a linebacker Nick Bolton's got to come up big, and absolutely. So, you know, let Legereus Sneed do his thing that he's always done in locking down number one receivers, but you got to keep your eyes on the multiple tight ends. Paul, how hard is it for a linebacker to have to both be worried about coverage then on a tight end and a running quarterback like Josh Allen? Well, and, quite frankly, a running game in general, because James Cook has been really good too. Yeah. But to know that you've got to defend both of those places, how difficult is that on well, linebackers? Well, you know, it's difficult, and it's difficult psychologically because actually in most defensive schemes, everybody's got a gap. You know, everybody's got a gap. D lineman got a gap. You get that filled. Linebackers got a gap. You know, if you can just, you know, if you can concentrate. I know it sounds so simplistic. It sounds so easy. Why do we even need football coaches? But as long as you play your gap, there should be no place to run the football. In other words, if if the Kansas City Chiefs take care of every gap, every gap that is assigned to a football player on that team, then there will be no place to run the football. But that's not usually how it works because, uh, you know, linebackers, different linebackers have different styles. Some play downhill, some slide side to side. You know, everybody's a little different. But you know, you know, Cook is a good running back, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna make some things happen. And of course, the offensive line comes off the ball. Listen, the Kansas City Chiefs have had a, a good—I didn't say great—I said a good defense for most of the year. But there have been times, fellas, where the uh, the uh, defense is, is susceptible to the run with a good offensive line with a good running back. Josh Allen doesn't help because you almost have to. It's almost like having a second back. If there's one back in the backfield, it's almost like having two backs because he is capable of keeping and running and. And doing whatever that is. But the Chiefs have got have got a call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Control every gap. The Chiefs control every gap. Then this is going to be the Chiefs game. This is basically going to be a game, and I don't mean to boil it down to a very, very simplistic thing, but if the Chiefs take care of every gap and they control the run, they control Josh Allen, they control, they control Cook, they control whatever – the, the the Bills are trying to do with the run. They win this football game, fellas. Control the run, win the football game. That's as simple as it gets, Tommy. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that, I, don't well, you think, Tommy, I, I, that goes both ways, though, like for both teams? 
I think to an extent, I mean, we know how Isaiah Pacheco has ran the football for Kansas City's offense and, and how dominant he's been, you know, especially in breaking tackles and, and running through tackles throughout the course of the season. So I, I think that both of those things can be the same for, for both teams. But I think what is really important to keep in mind with Kansas City's defense, and I brought it up before as we've been talking about this game, is the way that Steve Spagnola blitzes Josh Allen. I want to see really well thought out and well-timed blitzes. You can't blitz Josh Allen all the time because he will shred you, not unlike the way that Patrick Mahomes shreds defenses when they try to blitz him. So I think that you've got to time it well. You've got to make sure that if you are blitzing, that you've got additional coverage to take into account for the fact that Allen can take off and run. Uh, th that's all going to be a challenge. And, and I've, I've been keeping, I've wanted to see this matchup again. Uh, and I'm so excited for it because that's the chess match is how do the Chiefs defense blitz and what does Josh Allen do in response? And it's several different times in these matchups before. And yeah, I, I really want to see, you know, like you always say there's a game inside the game. That's the game inside the game that I want to watch for this weekend is how the Chiefs blitz with Josh Allen and how they respond with the Bills offense. So the Chiefs, to Paul's point, have been, you know, as good at a, a, a pass defense as you're probably going to find, but yep. not as sort of middle of the pack as a run defense. But I think that's, right, that's a little bit because of how well they defend the pass. When you said good but not great defense, though, Paul, that's where I would disagree. Kansas City is the second best defense in football in both points allowed and yards allowed this season. I do think they're a great defense. And I've said forever, I think that's why this is the way that they can win a Super Bowl. We're just not used to it, and we haven't been. But they do have a great defense. They have the best defense, I think, remaining in the playoffs. Baltimore has been better slightly by a points-per-game level, but not as good in a yards-per-game level, right? So you can make the case for Baltimore. We've talked about how much, you know, you like San Francisco's defense, right, to some degree. They have not been as good as the Chiefs' defense. And outside of, you know, Cleveland, like, this is the best defense in football, I think, that is sitting here right now. Baltimore has a case. Then why am I so that frustrated? Is, why? Why? Well, I, you because there have been a couple of games where running backs have had nice days. But again, when a team can't throw the ball and they're going to try, like it, I think it's probably pretty difficult to have both. You know, the best pass defense, the best run defense, those kinds of things. But they have dynamic pass rushers. They have all these things that would lead teams to run the ball, and they were missing some linebackers for a large portion of the season. Remember, too, they had key injuries at that spot throughout the year to both Gay and Bolton that have hindered them, those guys are all playing now. Right. Like, everybody's and ready look, to you roll. Wanna, if you want to talk about key injuries, that really has hurt the Bills. I mean, they've been decimated in the last couple of weeks with injuries. And by the way, I just, I didn't even realize it until I looked it up a little while ago. Steph Diggs is on the injury report. He didn't practice yesterday. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like. Gabe Davis is also on the injury report. He didn't play last week. So they've got some injuries with their wide receivers. And then they've got injuries on the defensive side, too. Going into this game, it seems like Kansas City is significantly healthier than Buffalo is. Yeah, and that's the other key part. It's a good point. Kansas City has hit that thing that you have to hit for any team to have a chance at a Super Bowl, and that's good health. They're there as much as any team left. I just... 
there won't be a matchup if the Chiefs continue on the run where I say, uh-oh, now it's a bad matchup for the Chiefs because that 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 dynamic doesn't really exist for them. When you have the best defense, you have the best defense, right? That's the ultimate equalizer, and you have Patrick Mahomes. And you have a Patrick Mahomes now who is able to funnel things to two guys, and it's working. Two guys and a good run game. They don't have to use the other. You know, we wondered all year, like, how long are they going to keep trying to get one of these receivers to do what they – the reality is now they don't need those guys. Well, they don't need anybody besides Rice, Kelsey, and Pacheco on that offense. They have found them. And, they you know, they're, that, that, it falls off a cliff after that. Sky Moore is back at practice. I don't think he'll play. I, I don't know what that means. But it's, I mean, you're, you're looking at, it's like we talked about Chelsea with, with the props on Rice and Kelsey. I mean, I think at this point, when you know both of those guys are probably flirt with 10 targets each, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard not to put them and include them in the things that you're going to do you know, in the betting world, right. it just it lines up for the Chiefs. Now they got to go get it done. And Buffalo's really good. And Buffalo's favored for a reason. And Josh Allen has the element that we probably don't talk enough about. He's got to get that skeleton out of his closet too. He's this great talent, but he's got to be able to get it done. And he hasn't been able to ultimately get over that final hump. And they've got that going and that chip on their shoulder too, Paul, which we know. Is a great motivator in this game. It is, and I don't want to. I don't want to rely on cliches, but you know this game could just easily come down to basically who has the most turnovers. Well, I'll tell you what: time of possession is going to be important. You want to control the football because when you control the football, you keep the football out of your opponent's hands. So time of possession, but turnovers. My goodness, and particularly turnovers on on the other end of the field. You do not want those. You, you just you just can't have turnovers. And this is this game could easily come down to who possesses the football, who makes first downs, who controls the football, who controls the clock. Fellas, this this may end up being one one game that just is really simple. Uh control the football, keep the football out of the other team's hands cuz both teams will be capable of of scoring and and controlling the football. So I think it's kind of simple in a lot of ways. I, am I missing anything on that? No, well, I really I mean, don't they get, think they get the I, field goal kicker advantage too, which I do yeah. think matters. I mean, you go back to the other matchup in the regular season between these two teams, and and it wasn't like we were looking at a high flying, you know, shootout in that game. Final nope. score was twenty to seventeen, and so I would imagine that we see more of that in this playoff game. Uh, and especially if the Chiefs want to lean on the run, which they should with Isaiah Pacheco, and if the Chiefs' defense can limit what Josh Allen can do on the ground, it should be, again, a relatively low-scoring game. I'm not thinking it's going to be, you know, three-zip, but it should be a relatively low-scoring game, I think, knowing the way that they matched up earlier this regular season. I mean, you can almost keep it simple, too, to betting, like, if you th- if you like the Chiefs, you take the Chiefs. You take Rasheed Rice's over. You take Kelsey's over. You take Pacheco's over. Like the offense is as simple in Kansas City as it has been in a very long time. This spread the ball around, do all that kind of thing. Offense is out the window because Mahomes knows he can't. He can't afford to tr- to trust those guys. Like you're to the point now where you like yeah. we're done with all that. Like now you got to go with what you know and what they know. It's Rice, it's Kelsey, it's Pacheco, it's a great defense, and it's a great field goal kicker. And that is absolutely enough to win a Super Bowl. By the way, I and like think about the- what's on the line here. 
Think of, think about what's on the line here for Kansas City real quick. Because we've talked about before how we kind of like the matchup with Baltimore and Houston. You could have an AFC championship game back at Arrowhead for another season. That's what's on the line, what's on the line for Kansas City. A slightly different path than what we're used to seeing from them to make it to a Super Bowl. But man, they could absolutely potentially have another home game in the AFC championship. Right. And one thing, one thing you pointed out just so briefly, Jacob, and, and really this is something to think about, field goal kicking. Yeah. Man, who's got the advantage on that? I mean, do you trust, right? Would you trust your kicking team on? They both have good ones. They both have good Tyler ones. Tyler Bass is but, a good kicker. But but Butker's been the best this year outside of maybe right. Aubrey and Dallas. Uh, and and that's been wild. By the way, another thing, uh, Florio, Pro Football Talk, floated out on the Zach Gelb show yesterday here on CBS Sports Radio that there are rumblings that this could be it for Andy Reid. And many of the coaches that are out there could be waiting if that's the case. Now, this is speculation and what I would say, take it with a grain of salt. Well, that's what I will do. But you can go on the Odyssey app and listen to that yesterday from the Zach Gelb show. Florio floating around the possibility that that exists and then has been, you know, kind of bandied about a little bit. But that's out there, too, well, which if that's the case and players know it, you would talk about a motivating factor. Now, again, I have no well, idea. I've never heard anything like that outside of that yesterday. But it's out there. Go find it on the Odyssey app. 869 is the KFH hotline. We'll come back. More Sports Daily right after this. All right. Welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily. It's Albrock to Caster. It's Savage. Chad Chambers producing. We're having fun on a Friday. Thanks, everybody, for joining in on the fun, listening to us here on KFH, watching us on our video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. It's all available for you. Uh, so it's interesting. I brought up that little nugget that was dropped on the Zach Gelb show yesterday. It is curious, I think, a little bit that the massive names out there on the market are not moving yet. That's a little atypical, I think. You've got some real big time. I saw Vrabel interviewed with the Chargers, by the way, and I know that they've gone defense and it hasn't worked. I love that fit. But Belichick doesn't have a home. Harbaugh doesn't have a home if you think he's coming in. Vrabel doesn't have a home. Like, all these things are happening, and it is interesting. Um, Saw that Kirk Cousins sort of said playing for Bill Belichick would be fun as we wonder what he's going to do, and we've imagined that scenario of a combo package there to Atlanta between those two guys and how real a chance to win a Super Bowl might be there. Although Cousins still returning to Minnesota seems like a real possibility. But, Tommy, it has been slow movement in the coaching world, and I suppose that would lead people to believe that if the Chiefs were remotely possible to come open, as we've seen major names step away, You'd wait on that job. I mean, if that was, and again, this is totally speculative based on something that somebody else said on the Zach Gelb show. But yeah, I mean, if, if, if you're going to have a chance at Mahomes, you you just push pause on everything if you're one of these guys. But didn't Andy Reid already come out and say that he's not retiring? I'm pretty sure he already came know. on the record and said he's not even thinking about retiring. I think he said he's not point. talking about it. I think he said he's not even talking about it. So and that, just, and, I, and Florio brought unlikely. that out to say maybe he's not talking about. It. I I don't know. I don't think Andy Reid's retiring. Let me just put that out there. Right? Yeah. I, I I don't think, I think that's, that's unlikely at all. I don't think it's happening. 
You, you, I, I agree because he he loves it too much, and he's got Mahomes, and you know they're comfortable, and everything seems to be going well, and everybody gets along. And you know why? Unless you you know, and Andy Reid's not as old as those other guys, not quite, and he's obviously enjoys himself. He's only sixty five. I think yeah. people think he's older than he is, and it's because he's been coaching for so dang long. If he became a head coach in nineteen ninety nine. Right, which was how many years ago? Twenty, technically speaking, 24, 25. Almost twenty five. Twenty five years ago, when he's sixty five. So he became a head coach at forty. He was young at the time, and I, I do think there's a perception that he's older than he is. He's sixty five. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like he's got a lot of gas left in the tank. And if I'm Andy Reid, by the way, why would I walk away this season with the the struggles offensively and you know all of that that's happened? I mean, wouldn't you have walked away? when you won your second Super Bowl a season ago against the Eagles, against your former team that you coached for a long time, wouldn't that have been the swan song for Andy Reid to go out? Why would you coach another year? And it's been a challenging year by all accounts and not quite up to the chief standards that they've built over the last five or six. Why would you walk away this season? That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know, Paul. You're you're you've coached well into your what? What are we into? Well into your upper seventies, eighties here. Like, I, I so old, in fact, that you can't figure out how to unmute your microphone. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> like these basic skills that we have. Like you can still coach at that age, right? Oh yes, man, you you just you. man, thank you made that so perfect for us. Thank you, that, Paul. Well, you're entirely welcome. But, but by the way, Paul's Andy, screaming into his microphone because we're making fun of how old he is and he can't figure out how to unmute it. That's yeah. perfect. Well, that's good. Thank you for that. Uh, but the point is, is that I guess like with Andy Reid, do you make commercials with Patrick Mahomes on insurance? I mean, do do you do those kind of things if you're going to retire? Do do you you know if you were going to retire, wouldn't you have retired? Wouldn't you have retired when you were in pain? What two years ago? He seems too walk? happy to retire. He he seems to your too point, happy. yeah. He, you know, and yeah, and, and, I, I'm and with there's you. guys. Speaking of commercials, this. Jim Mora is like ninety, and he just did a DraftKings commercial. He did so did pretty really? good. Uh, you know it, that, that. Yeah, was it playoffs? Yeah, it was. But but there's all kinds of reasons why I don't believe this, and and he's having too much fun. He's doing commercials. And by the way, what's the one ingredient that you got to have if you want to if you want to if you want to win? Uh, and Andy Reid has the potential of winning Super Bowls from here on out. He's got Patrick Mahomes. Do you walk away from Patrick yep. Mahomes? I say the answer is no. You don't. Hey, can I just say really quick, Paul? You don't look a day over eighty-seven. Oh, so thank that's you. good. Thank you. Thank you for that. That, that that's he's that's, got the. He's got the Taylor Swift fountain of youth, too. Life life can't be better, right? <laughs> That's right. Your life Andy is Reed. pretty darn good. You got everybody making memes about your mustache and the icicles. Life's good for the big fella. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. We'll wrap it up next.